listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 163 of the Testudo Times Podcast. We're in this ever-changing world where it feels like so many things are changing in every possible moment, it's good to know that some things will always stay the same. Maryland football players will tell their ACLs. Yeah, you know, that's that's not the constant you want, but it's the constant you need. Death, taxes, and Maryland ACL injuries. And football. Yep. Why is it the ACL? It's only the ACL. There are no season-ending injuries other than the ACL. I mean, if you look, if you look far enough, that you'll you'll find a few. Okay, but I for whatever reason, it's been football. kind of it's been disproportionately that that injury for the for Maryland. Okay, since 2012, I've been following Maryland football. I've been covering this team. I've been following this team. I've been rooting for this team. It's only ACL since then. This is my eighth season doing this. At least all the big ones. I mean, Jesse Annabonum wasn't an ACL when he got hurt, and that this was. A pretty big killer in 2017. But I don't even you know, remember all the other, that because it, yeah, I mean, all the other injuries that yeah, with, with quarterbacks, it's been like almost entirely that injury. Yep. I guess now we could extend that to very important players. Yeah, I mean, even Lorenzo Harrison last year. Yep. Uh, Antoine Richardson this spring. Now, now the the reason we're talking about this, Jay Sean Jones today. Um, they announced this morning, Jay Sean Jones tore his ACL. He'll be out for the 2019 season. He was going to be Maryland's best receiver, so that that stings a lot. And you know, we'll obviously this it's an injury that guys are, have been able to recover from, and he'll have really a full year to get to 100. Um, percent you know, reason for optimism, but it's it obviously stings for a new offense that you know was in was in need of playmakers and was trying to find guys who could step up at wide receiver. And Jones was very clearly going to be kind of the leader of that of that operation. And to have him gone, there are other guys, but it, it may or may not be the same. Of course it won't. It's, it's Maryland football. Yeah, I mean, he threw, he threw one pass last year and it was a touchdown, so maybe it's this is an extension of the quarterback thing. I think so. I, I don't know. I, think I don't so. know. I, you mean... Again, remember remember that Texas game? Yeah, I mean, Jay Sean Jones had, like, the best start to a career of anybody ever. And... Yeah. And, I mean, and, and then he turned that into, like, a pretty good freshman season. You know, the numbers aren't going to be eye-popping because Maryland just didn't complete football passes last year. You know, he was second on the team with 22 catches and 288 yards, and he was first with five touchdowns. Um, plus the rushing and passing score in the first game. So, I mean, he he quickly just turned into a playmaker, and those are those guys are hard to replace. Not everyone can do what he can do. Now, we should say that Maryland will have tight ends this year, we think, we hope. Allegedly. Allegedly. So there could be replacing of that production there. Of course, Maryland's going to have better quarterback play, Lord willing. They still Allegedly. have a trillion running backs. So it's going to hurt, but in many ways, 
it doesn't worry me quite as much as it would for other teams because I know that there are other playmakers available on this team. And I know while they don't have a ton of top-end depth at wide receiver, it's not as if like losing Jason Jones absolutely destroys the receiving core. There are still other options there. Yeah, I mean, it's not like, you know, if this was Stefan Diggs a few years ago. Or DJ um, Moore. Yeah, or, or certainly DJ Moore the last couple of years. Um, you know, I mean, these kind of injuries always they're 10 times worse when it happens to a quarterback just because the difference between QB one and QB two can like make or break a season. Well, maybe for Maryland, that might not be as much of the case crossing my fingers. We don't have to talk about that anymore because they actually seem to have some depth at the position now that, you know, Josh Jackson's here. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, and we'll get into that kind of as, as fall camp goes on and we see how the competition looks, but I, I think I've said it on this podcast, like the, the gap between one and five, in the quarterback room is about as thin as you'll get from one to five. And at wide receiver, I mean, they just have like 14 guys. Uh, They've moved a few guys over and that's another piece of news. So Sean Savoy was a wide receiver at Virginia tech. He moved over to cornerback in the spring with sort of a slew of freshman defensive backs coming in. They decided to move him back to his natural position at wide out. He'll be a slot guy, uh, Rashad Lewis is practicing with the receivers. He's been a corner. He's still listed as a corner. He still wears 13, which is the same number of quarterback wears. So if if he changes numbers, this is real, basically. Yeah. And then Taj Capehart kind of going the other way just to balance the scale a little bit. God, I forgot Taj Capehart exists. These college rosters are so big. He was another ACL guy. So he, this is true. You know, You're he right. was he was the top guy that they signed in 2017, and I think he has one catch to his name, and he's the only one out of that 2017 group to have that. Uh, but he tore his ACL last spring. He was probably in line to make some sort of an impact in the slot and couldn't get, you know, obviously missed that whole season. And, and we'll see. You know, he's he's one of those guys, has a skill set that kind of fits both ways. Uh, same well, with Rashad I mean, Lewis, same with John Savoy. It's not terrible because they've turned a wide receiver into a corner and they turned one into a pretty decent corner in Tino Ellis, so it's not as if it's impossible. But... I'm going to go over the wide receivers just briefly, just to give people an idea what that depth chart looks like, because I don't think many people remember a lot of the receivers other than maybe Jay Sean Jones. So what does that depth chart look like as it stands so that people have an idea of what it might look like when they play Howard? Yeah, so, you know, last year, other than Tavon Jacobs and Jay Sean Jones, there wasn't really much consistency throughout the group. But late, kind of late in the year, that Ohio State game really stands out. A lot of the freshmen, you know, then freshman wide receivers really stepped up. The guy that stood out the most to me is Dante Demas. He's, you know, 6'4". He's a deep threat. He had some some crazy plays in that game. Um, you know, I think he has a chance to be a really, really great all-around player. And Loxley all, really talks about him as someone who took an even bigger step forward throughout the spring. And so he kind of figures as the number one guy there. Beyond that, the other 2018 guys, Brian Cobbs and Daryl Jones, so a, another Jones. Um, Me and Mr. Jones. Yeah, and that's before we even get to Chris Jones. Um, <laughs> if so, you know what song I'm referring to, congratulations, you are a bigger nerd than I am. Yeah. Um, so so Brian Cobbs and Daryl Jones, I think, look like the guys who could uh, really compete for that, that other spot. Maybe this opens up the door for someone like a Carlos Carrier who's, you know, entering his redshirt sophomore year, doesn't have a catch yet. Um, 
same kind of thing. Maybe Sean Nelson uh, or Isaiah Hazel, who was a four-star like, recruit. He seems like in, the guy who benefit, stands to benefit the most from this. Yeah, it, it definitely opens up opportunity. I think you know he's he's the best wide receiver, you know, highest-rated receiver commit they've gotten since Diggs, and that's not a small thing. Obviously, recruiting rankings aren't always you know one to one but it's a pretty good indicator of this guy's got more potential than most guys you'll you'll see coming in and so he's he's got he's someone who can make an immediate impact and you know as bad as jones going down is it makes that a little bit more possible as you as you talked about it i think dante demas will be a good option they have other guys who could step up last year we had no idea what it was going to look like and for maryland quarterback play it actually turned out to be pretty okay and then you have a tight end and Tyler Mabry, and Chig O'Conkle, we can't forget him, and then seven running backs. I don't think Maryland's going to hurt all that much, even though losing Jay Sean Jones is not great. Uh, and, of course, that's two ACL injuries this year, and we know there are going to be more. I'm crossing my fingers that we don't have to talk about that, but I'm feeling like we're probably going to. Uh, let's mention another wide receiver, because recruiting is still happening, and Maryland just picked up a wide receiver commit. Yeah, Dejan, uh, Dejan McDougal. He was... He's kind of the first uh, commit since the the dead period ended. That was kind of late June to late July. He's technically a high three-star on the composite, but 24-7 Sports was the most recent update, and they're high on him. They have him as a four-star. So we'll, let's call him a four-star. Why not? Um, He's the third highest on the terms of the uh, commits right now um, behind the running back from Detroit and Ruben Hippolyte, who I've been reading a lot of stories on because it seems mm-hmm. like everybody's now starting to realize how good he might be. Yeah. I mean, that, that story has been interesting to follow and, you know, he still seems to love Maryland, but you know, well, it's also funny that two of their highest rated recruits come from Broward County. That is not a thing that I would have expected for Maryland football. Under Mike Loxley. Under Mike, that's you're, you're, we talked about that on another show. I, I feel like we don't need to go over it again, but that's two of their top three recruits for Mike Loxley are from Broward County, Florida. Yeah, and just a, a simple, the local guys, like this, the class started with a few local guys, and they've hit a lot of the sort of powerhouses in the area so far. But, you know, the top 15, you know, all the blue chip recruits in, the, in, in Maryland, most of them are, like, you know, committed elsewhere right now. And obviously, Locks pulled a few late flips last cycle. He could do it again, but... Or, you know, even with that. Before, and it is important to mention, if these players don't end up playing at all the SEC and ACC schools they're going to, they can come back to Maryland next year, and Mike Loxley will welcome them with open arms and then give them playing time. Yeah, basically. Um, That's the joke that I've made, by the way, a thousand times when I've talked about Maryland football. It's as if, hey, if you don't get the recruits now, when they don't play at their schools, they'll come back to Maryland eventually. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that's that's one way to go about it, I think. Just the way that this class has panned out, I mean, it's, you know, it's got a lot of high three-star, low four-star talent right now, and there's there's obviously a long way to go to, to really add some centerpieces to it. Um, in addition to the guys kind of already on the roster, there's a lot of young talent on the roster right now. A lot of, you know, not a lot of seniors. I think there's like 12, 13 seniors uh, on the roster now. So, um, kind of a lot going on, but the... It says a lot to me about Loxley that even when maybe he's not getting the local recruits we thought he would, he's still putting together a pretty good class, uh, taking care of other pipelines. Florida's always going to be a big one 
He got Lance Lejean from New Orleans, Penny Boone from Detroit, which is a place Maryland doesn't ever get anyone from. So, you know, that's that's been interesting to see. So I should say that right now they're 40th on the 24-7 rankings behind Les Miles in Kansas. Don't worry, there's a lot of time left. They've got 15 hard commits. I think that would leave a couple spots open, maybe like five or six. If yeah, I mean, I would say this class probably gets to 21, 22. There's, there's a long way to go, obviously. You'll, we'll get a few throughout the fall. It, it Mostly just because the senior class this year is so small. Um, maybe Maryland probably doesn't get a full 25 in. But, but also, you know, there's... I, think, I think that there's also the chance, of course, that we're going to see more attrition on the roster itself because we haven't seen a ton of it in spite of the fact that Maryland just changed coaching staffs. There wasn't early. Um I think, you know, that kind of just led into there's been like a lot of attrition in the last few days. Yes. Um, and not all because of guys wanting to just leave the program. It's it seems like a lot of things that are out of guys control. So just throughout the summer we've had, you know, a handful cuz Maryland had a pretty big recruiting class, got some transfers and also didn't graduate a ton of seniors last year. So there was they they were over for a while i think by my unofficial calculations i had them at like 89 90 scholarships at one point you got to get down to 85 and i felt i thought they did that and then that was before fall camp they they had a few guys leave for you know academic and sort of grad transfer reasons um a couple guys just kind of left the roster with one year left uh we had three medical retirements basically this week um cam spence probably the big headline there he was this four-star recruit defensive tackle from gilman and then img and then st john's and he was you know had had a potential to be just a real impact player but could never his, his knees couldn't hold up and he's just been hurt for so long and he's been medically disqualified whatever whatever that actually means um so he wide receiver chris jones who has been with the program for a while, but just battled injuries the entire time. Um, and Namdi Aguaba, the linebacker, who is entering his sixth year. Um, he's going to just go finish his master's. Spence and Jones are going to be student assistants this season. Mm-hmm. And this is also after, like, that group doesn't include Andrew Park, the the tight end from my high school, Lake Braddock. But he, I think, had the same kind of thing. He was just injured for so long and um, kind of left the roster, but he's still on some sort of medical scholarship. So there's that, and then there is the transfer portal. We have two stories about the transfer portal. We'll go to the Maryland one first. So Ken Montgomery, uh, kind of the the late addition of the 2018 class. Maryland, they they signed pretty much everyone in that class on the early signing day, the first ever early signing day. Uh, they only added one player after the traditional signing day, and that was Ken Montgomery. He was you know, a low four-star prospect. Uh, he's from Tampa. So, you know, the, the Florida pipeline was a thing under Dirk and it's still a thing under Loxley. Um, he, he came in small, like he came in, I think 165 pounds, reasonably small, but you know, after not playing last year, he figured to be at least a rotational player this year. The Entering his name in the transfer portal is for personal reasons, he said. He wants to move closer to home. He didn't elaborate. We're not, we don't really need him to. Um, you know, it's obviously, you, you don't want to see it, and um, all you can really do is just wish him the best. 
uh, happens, so a little bit less depth of quarter. And then the transfer portal story that never actually went away, featuring a player from Alabama who was from this area. We all thought, only entered the transfer portal once. He has to be going to Maryland. Uh, no, he's going to Houston. Yabi Anoma. Yeah, I remember uh, during the recruiting process, Maryland was like a late sort of contender for Anoma. They had his teammate, Jalen Duncan, who's now the starting left tackle. Um, you know, Anoma was this top five prospect in the country. He was super raw, but, you know, obviously a lot of schools really liked what they saw. He, sh- he showed some promise at Alabama as a freshman. He showed a lot of promise this spring. Um, he was suspended from the university. He was reportedly sort of disqualified from the university and sort of re-entered the transfer portal a few weeks ago. When that happens, I mean, all signs kind of point to Maryland just for for football and personal reasons. You know, he's he's from Baltimore. Loxley recruited him to Bama. He's now the head coach of Maryland. All that, and Maryland was kind of the runner-up in his in his initial recruitment. So all the boxes were checked there. I mean, him going to Houston, I think, suggests that Maryland wasn't able to like get him cleared, uh, whether it's academically or conduct-wise or whatever the case. Um, they wouldn't. They were. I don't think they were able to get him just eligible to play at Maryland, but Houston, sort of a school with. I don't want to say lower standards, no, but no, it, it's easier to that. get him in. You just, you just said that. Yeah, it's it's easier to get him in at Houston. And, you know, he's he's not closer to home, but he's with Dana Holgerson, the former West Virginia coach. I believe Holgerson's son was at St. Francis with Anoma. So there is some sort of connection there. It, You know, if Maryland couldn't happen for one reason or another, I don't know that for sure. But if that couldn't work, then Houston makes some sense. That whole story is weird. That, that's just a bizarre story, and I, maybe one day we'll figure out what happened. Maybe one day we will not, but that story is now over because it was on again, off again since Loxley came to Maryland. Yeah, so, I mean, ever, the the first time he entered the portal for, like, 12 minutes and then Saban talked him out of it, I mean, the only school anyone thought about was Maryland. And, you know, we went through that with, with Anoma. They went through that with Jalen Hurts. And, you know, Jalen Hurts came on campus, and it was this whole big thing. He was at a basketball game. He was at a basketball game, kind of sitting right next to, like, the media. Just that's right. He around. was sitting right now. He was sitting next to Loxley, and on the other side is where the media sits. That's that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, so it was this whole big deal with Jalen Hurts, and it was less of a deal with um, Anoma. Like, it, obviously, nothing about him in the portal ever became public, but, you know, that looks to be over so maybe it won't because we thought the story was over the first time and it was not but speaking of the transfer portal we'll just clean up a couple more loose ends uh keandre jones has been ruled eligible so maryland's gonna have the all transfer team basically this year ruled eligible which is fascinating yeah five transfers i mean two of them three of them yeah three of them are grad transfers although two of those grad transfers matriculated in three years and have two years left which is like really rare um and and then the other two have been granted their waivers they are good to go so we will of course have plenty of updates on the depth chart keep your eyes out on that that's number one also by the way did you see the video um yesterday was dino tomlin and rashad lewis going at it in practice 
I actually kind of missed that one. I was out for a bit yesterday, but yeah, I mean Maryland. I'll say this right now: they're very good with with their video stuff right now. They've been very good for the last couple of years, and um, you know, if you're a fan that's just consuming everything you can, they're they're really helping you. Well, that's funny because, of course, you have Raven Steelers in Maryland. That's just weird. You have Ray Lewis's son, and you have Mike Tomlin's son. Yeah, I mean, it's it's quite the uh, quite the thing there. I, I think uh, the wild stuff. I mean, we've written about Tomlin here and how uh, Scotty Montgomery, the Maryland offensive coordinator, now was uh, an assistant for Mike Tomlin, and Dino committed to Maryland like a week after DJ Durkin was fired. And so he didn't even know who his coach would be. He just knew he really liked the program. And then Scotty Montgomery shows up there. And obviously Rayshad Lewis has kind of bounced back and forth wide receiver and corner. We don't know for sure where he's going to play. Um, but he's, you know, just having both those guys, like it's always interesting to have, you know, sons of these notable figures, uh, I mean, it's not quite the Toronto Blue Jays, but no. it's something. Or the National Hockey League. Yeah, that too. Yeah, it's, it's much worse than the NHL, friends. Uh, <laughs> the only people who are NHL prospects now are sons of former NHL players, or sons of people who were involved in hockey. And also Popeye Jones' kid that one year. And Popeye, well, yeah, Seth Jones is great, though, by the way. He is. Like that, oh, yeah, he's fantastic. So, you must say that. Uh do we miss anything in football? As I said, Testudo Times is going to post depth charts. The Maryland will post depth charts. They're going to post scholarship charts. Uh, you should keep up on that because there's a lot of roster turn. Uh, I guess we should talk very briefly about quarterback because we haven't really done it yet. We said one through five. There's not really a lot of difference. I would be still stunned if Josh Jackson isn't the starter. But, I mean, Mike Loxley's got options. So when the inevitable ACL tell comes i can't even say it properly now because this makes me physically ill every time i have to say that phrase revolving maryland football uh it seems like he's going to have a lot of option that he likes and it's not going to be a this person lost the job it's going to be this person won it yeah i mean i think that's that's really what you can hope for is that you know there's nobody just winning it by default it's it's someone really going in and and grabbing it i think the way that this this group is set up that's pretty likely to happen um I haven't seen enough that, you know, really would would separate the group so far. Um, and I mean, if you really want for to be the pedantic, you could also say that Howard's kind of a de facto scrimmage because they're going to win anyway. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's kind of a game where they can see multiple quarterbacks and see what happens before then they play a real team the next week. So, and I think they will. I think they will do it that way. They will show, you know, kind of all the guys. And... I don't think I'd be surprised by that because they're going to win by 50 no matter what. But when you look at that, I mean, it gives them a chance to say, you know, we have this essential quote-unquote warm-up game before we play, you know, Syracuse the following week. That's a real team. So, again, whoever the starter is for the game against Howard might not actually be the full-time starter. I mean, I would still lean toward, you know, whoever they bring out is who they believe will be the starter, and they'll get the majority of reps. You know, they'll play, like, at least the entire first half of that game. Um, you know, they'll, they'll come out of camp with a starter for sure. But as I said, I don't be locked in necessarily because something could happen against Howard. And again, it is a tune up game before they play Syracuse. So there definitely is that. Also, I do want to mention another football story before we uh, switch gears. Uh, 
we'll get to a couple things in a second, but this I love this story because this is so anti-Maryland. So the, you know they're playing Penn State on a Friday night. It's the last Friday in September. Uh, and obviously traveling in the DMV on a weekday is terrible, as every one of you already knows. So Maryland is canceling afternoon classes because we are a football school now because they don't want it to be a complete and utter circus with all the people driving in for the football game. And that must mean they know that there's going to be a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's going to be a pretty big deal. Just, you know, Friday night, um, you know, I mean, there's obviously a lot that goes in during a football Saturday, even, you know, and that they have to jokes about bring the people no one in. goes to Maryland football games. This is true. But normally Maryland doesn't have to deal with us on weeknights. And you all remember, a couple of you must remember, the Miami game, which was on Labor Day, and they unveiled the new uniforms. I cannot imagine that wasn't a complete and utter circus, even though it's a holiday, trying to get people into campus on a Monday. You all know this already, but still. And it's Penn State, which travels very well. Like well, the, okay. We all know that they, Penn State wait, is they, probably going to have well to half the fans. Yes. Elsewhere. But that's a fascinating thing that's happening. Uh, just a couple, one more thing before we switch to basketball. What are we going to be seeing in terms of position battles? We talked about it a little bit. What about newer position battles that you want to talk about just briefly as we might not be doing a whole ton on this in the next couple of weeks, but what are position battles that people should be watching out for other than the obvious? Yes. I mean, obviously quarterback is the first one wide receiver now more than ever, uh, you know, it really becomes interesting. I think Dante Demas is in the pole position to get one of the spots, but you generally start at least two wide receivers. Um, who, who slides into that second spot? I, Gut reaction for me, maybe Brian Cobbs, but there's just so many guys. You know, Daryl Jones, Isaiah Hazel, we, we kind of talked about them. Um, offensive line looks reasonably set. We'll see kind of how the defensive line shakes out. I think middle linebacker is going to be interesting. Uh, just with all the new additions, it looks like Keandre Jones and Shaq Smith will be kind of on the outside. What does that do to Darrell Chami, who was going to play sort of the – the jack position doing a lot of pass rushing um he's talented enough that they're going to find a way to rotate him in uh and middle linebacker is is really interesting to me Ayinde ely and chance campbell really had breakout springs and there's also isaiah davis who started you know the last two years pretty much so you know it's kind of those three guys for two starting spots i think at least at linebacker like all those guys will play um similarly at, at safety you know, Antoine Brooks moving back to one of the spots, but uh, with Antoine Richardson out, it's sort of Deion Jones and Jordan Mosley look like the, the top competitors for that other safety spot. So so who grabs that and how does everything shake out behind that? I think that's probably the most interesting one on the defense. And then punter. We you wrote about that about today. To say, punter not mention will figure punter. it out. So they brought in two freshman walk-on punters, preferred walk-ons. Um, the numbers 73 and 74 punters per Coles kicking, the, the place that ranks those people. Um, wait, 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 wait. Uh, okay, I know that they have kicking camps. I'm, I'm aware of this, but... Still. Yeah, they, they do that for punting and long snapping, too. Oh, man. Yeah. It no, is that's, an art that's, form. That's what they do. I shouldn't so, be disparaging it. Yeah, so and and you know those two guys 
I think really beef up a, a position that we obviously saw struggle in, in the spring game. Um, and it is incredibly important. We are in the Big Ten. Punting is so critical. Yeah, and, and then beyond that, I mean, I've talked to Wes about this. Wes has written about this, is that there's this class of 2020 punter who's got a preferred walk-on offer for Maryland who, depending on how this season goes, that could pretty easily turn into a full scholarship. Or they could, or one of the, the new guys could, you know, really establish himself as, you know, kind of an ace punter and, and get a scholarship himself. So that'll be kind of interesting to see how that plays out. Scholarships for punters. My God. I mean, you want to have one generally because I, I know. in general, the scholarship punters are going to be a level above. This is, you know. this is, I'm joking about this because it sounds ridiculous when you think about it, but we shouldn't take punting uh, lightly. It is a very serious art form. Of course, we are in the Big Ten. Can't make those jokes enough. Maryland does not play Iowa this year, but, uh, you know, we got to have solid fundamental punting. Yeah, they got Nebraska. They got um, Michigan State. It's it's very important. Oh, can I mention before we go to a break? Uh, those new Michigan State uniforms are absolutely atrocious, and nothing Maryland has ever done is worse than that. Yeah, those are rough. Those are. I asked a couple of people I know who are Michigan State alums, and they didn't want to comment. No surprise. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't have a joke for that. Michigan State alums and students. No, the joke is this is what Sparty Know was invented for. Nothing that happens on the field. It's for those. I mean. If, if they wear those uniforms when they play Maryland, that's Thanksgiving weekend, by the way, I'm turning around and looking at my window while turning up the volume on the TV. I cannot look at those uniforms without hurting my eyes. Yeah, those of us in the press box might need special safety glasses. Well, you're far up, you know, away from the field. I think you're going to be all right. I'm closer Maybe. to my TV than you would be in the press box at Spartan Stadium. Maybe. But at the same time, I mean, you, you have the view of all of them. <laughs> this is true. But you know what? Maybe I don't remember what sideline the Michigan State. I think the Michigan State sideline is the one closest to the press box. I don't remember. It's the far one. It's the far one? Oh, that's just unfortunate. <laughs> Again, nothing Maryland's done is worse than that. I know people don't like the Maryland uniforms because, you know, the Maryland flag. But you get used to them after a while. That's going to take some getting used to. Um, actually, it's going to be no taking getting used to because they are hideous and awful and woeful and disgusting. And on that that's, note. That's what Sparty has invented for. Okay, let's pay the bills, and we'll be back shortly with basketball talk. Of course we're talking about basketball. Wonderful ads. Love them. Fantastic. Okay, I want to mention one thing before we get into the basketball talk. I don't know how many of you have a subscription to The Athletic. Uh, I do, so I was reading a lot this summer, and sometimes when you're unemployed and there's nothing else to do, you read articles, and uh, I was reading one. They had a whole college football realignment series, their, their summer uh, series, and they did one on Maryland. I don't know if you've read it. Uh, it's on my Twitter timeline if you want to go see it. It was written by Seth Emerson, who's now a beat writer for Georgia. Fun, but he is a Maryland alum, and I was reading that article, and we've talked so much about realignment, I don't think we need to talk about it again, but... The, my favorite line from that article, and I'm not quoting, I'm paraphrasing, but it talked about lacrosse, obviously, and how it's very important to us. But, of course, Seth is a Georgia beat writer, and I don't know if they've ever heard of lacrosse in Athens, Georgia, or anywhere where Georgia fans exist. So he said something along the lines of, yes, it's a big deal at Maryland. Basically. I mean, he had quotes from Kathy Reese. He had quotes from Sasha. He had quotes from good people. And... uh <laughs> And Bonnie Bernstein, who was like, I wish we could go back to ACC basketball and lacrosse. No, Bonnie, we can't, because you have to play Pitt now 
as opposed to teams you actually care about. So it was a very interesting article. I, I encourage you to go read that if you want to see a, a Maryland thing on realignment. And we all know where we stand on that. I think that argument's been thrown into the ground. But I just found that very interesting, and it's on The Athletic. If you go look for it, you will find it. Uh, also, he said that the move was done for football reasons. No, it wasn't. It was done for money reasons. It's okay, Seth. Uh, let's speak about uh, – because we They're kind of one and the same, to be fair. They, they are. I mean, the money comes in for football, but Maryland wasn't doing it because they wanted to be better at football. They did it because they didn't want to go bankrupt. I mean, we all know mm. that. But anyway, let's go to basketball because we now have non-conference schedules. I'm surprised that we don't have conference schedules yet, but I'm assuming we're going to get them pretty soon because uh, all of us are looking forward to particularly the Michigan State game at Xfinity Center, which is going to be one of the craziest games I think we've seen at Xfinity Center since Maryland, you know, isn't playing Duke there anymore. Uh, the non-conference schedule comes out. We knew most of it already. We now have times for that. The games we didn't know were Holy Cross, I believe. Holy Cross and Oakland. Golden Grizzlies. Yeah. Like a, a reasonably good program. And Holy Cross isn't, you know, isn't a doormat. So, you know, as far as the non-conference, I mean, I, we've talked about this. I maintain that it's probably Maryland's best non-con in a while under Mark Turgeon. Um, there's just not nearly as many cream puff games as there have been. Um, there are a couple because every, every team actually plays a few of those, but instead of loading up on, you know, the Mount St. Mary's of the world, he's, you know, branching out to, to schools like George Mason and Rhode Island, Oakland, potentially play three, a 10 schools in non-conference play. That's not bad. No, I mean, that's not a horrible way to spend it. it. It is a little weird. Uh, you know, if you could theoretically lose to them. Um, but the A-10 is not a bad to... league, I, I think we no. should say. The A-10 is not a bad league. Rhode Island is not what they once were, but they're not bad. George Mason's not a doormat, and they technically count as your local school because they're not playing anybody in the state this year. And, I mean, they could end up playing Davidson in Orlando, and Davidson is very good. Yeah, I mean, the Orlando tournament's really interesting to me. Um, just the way, the way that we talk about it, like, you know, they got Temple first round. I think it's either going to be Harvard or Texas A&M in the Correct. next round. And then just this group of Marquette, Davidson, USC, mm -hmm. and Fairfield, which it, it shouldn't be Fairfield. They're already playing Fairfield. Um, so just like with how that plays out and how the, all those teams kind of turn out, I mean, you can – get a couple really, really quality games and potentially some real quality wins out of that. Um, the Seton Hall game is going to be fascinating. Um, going on the road to a place that doesn't always have games like this against a school like Maryland. Excuse Obviously, you, they, they play... Excuse you, sir. They play Rutgers every other year. Ah, my bad. My bad. And they play, you know, the Villanovas and everything in, in the big east but in in non-conference i mean there's well maryland fans this maryland team was going to be far. yeah this, this maryland team is going to be a big deal over there that's a very just very interesting matchup to me um with obviously how the game played out this year both teams are going to be so much better See, both teams look like they could be top 15 this year i think absolutely mm-hmm uh and then and then bryant which is your normal out of finals out of christmas cupcake which is again normal these things happen. It's not that bad. And it really course, isn't. I mean, it doesn't have the signature game, which I think most of that is just because of what happened with the Big Ten ACC getting Notre Dame. Yeah. Now, if Maryland was to get, you know, like Louisville, which they probably should have gotten when all the things happened in that, you know, 
the way that those matchups played out, then then it would have been really interesting. But of course, no, we can't have that. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a little past um, griping about Big Ten ACC. This one, this one's a little weird because everything. Maybe I mean maybe that's what they're waiting for. The last time Um, Maryland won in the Big Ten ACC Challenge was 2012 when they played Northwestern. Yeah. Because then it was Ohio State that they lost to Virginia, North Carolina, Pitt, Syracuse, Virginia. Here we are again. I can't believe I just rattled that off the top of my head. Yeah, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. Uh, it's clearly terrible, by the way. Uh, we should say, as I said, we don't know what like the full schedule is going to look like because obviously there are conference games that go in the middle of Notre Dame and Seton Hall. We don't know what they are yet because the schedule's not been released. But as I said, in the next very short order, we're going to have those. By the way, saw very early bracketology from Jerry Palm at CBS. Do you want to know what Maryland was? Tell me. Two seed. Yeah, that sounds about right. But in, I know we, we were talking about this before, yeah. In the same region as guess who? Dun, 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 dun. Duke. Tempting fate. It's tempting fate. God, it's just so much fun when everyone – I think everyone's kind of on board with this. Like, it's kind of just trolling a lot of people when you put Maryland and Duke in the same bracketology Again, region. Imagine if it actually happened in the NCAA tournament. We I mean, if it, was, if it was Elite Eight, we would – if it was Elite Eight, we would crash. Whether they won or lost, we would crash. Well, imagine it being even later. No, I can't. <laughs> well, remember where the Final Four is this year. Mm-hmm. It's in Atlanta. Fair point. Not saying, just saying. Not saying, just saying. Different building. De- so. Very different building. Uh, across <laughs> the street, basically, from where the old building was. And So far away. I have family in Atlanta, so I had to spend the weekend at a family event saying, oh, right, if Maryland makes it to the Final Four, I'm crashing at your house. And you're going to have to deal with me. Yes. Um, you're going to have to deal with what's left of me watching Maryland in the Final Four. Yeah, so, I mean, as far as the Big Ten schedule goes, I'm a little bit less you know, anxious about that just because we know who's coming to College Park yeah, and who, the, who they're playing on the road. the order plays out. The order is going to be interesting, especially which – two games are the early games um you know they got i think they've the last two years they've gone one and one yes um and if you can if you have the chance to start two and oh like that's huge and come we'll on see cupcakes. big Ten's gonna be deep come on cupcakes yeah. i mean i don't think the michigan state game will at home will be early put it that way yeah uh, i have a feeling that that's a game that a lot of people are going to want to see so I don't think it'll be early. As I said, like, you imagine flash mob, all the stuff that will happen will be at that game. Because that's going to be perhaps one of the biggest games at Xfinity Center in, I don't know, years? Mm-hmm. Like, it has the potential. Yeah, I mean, the, maybe the biggest one that I covered, the most hyped one, was, you know, Michigan State the last time. But even that was, you know, Maryland wasn't good. No, they played really well in the first half. No, it, it would be the biggest since you remember when they played Iowa and Iowa was in the top ten, and so was Maryland. Yeah, I did that game. I called that game. That was I, Iowa was number three. At weird, the time. but it was weird, right? Because yeah, I mean, it, it, I think over time it feels a little less weird with Michigan State in particular being in the East and playing them well, all also the time because Maryland has history with Michigan State. Yeah, and also I think Michigan that's State's an easier like the consensus number one right now. 
that's a much easier game to sort of really get amped for than oh, than Iowa ever was. Nuts in that building. Oh, I'm thinking about it now, and I'm very excited. Mm. Shouldn't think about basketball in August, but I am, and I'm getting myself hyped. And I'm already reading stories about Maryland fans. What do you, what do you think about this season? Let's not talk about it now. Yeah, we'll we'll wait. We'll, um, we'll get there. Uh, women let let football game. happen first. Uh, well, football season. I mean, put it this way: after three weeks, the football season's over, and it's time to start talking about basketball in Maryland. Hopefully, that's not the case, but usually is. Uh, women's basketball has its non-conference schedule out as well. Yeah, um, you know, I'm looking at it right now. It's not crazy. Uh, they're they're going to be pretty good this year, I think. Uh, really, the big headliner is they renewed their home and home with South Carolina. Um, they actually both won in the other's building um, the last couple of years. Uh, South Carolina last year was, I think, a four or five seed and didn't really make a run. Maryland didn't make a run, but both teams returned you know, some pretty good pieces. Maryland Maryland should be, Maryland's going to be a top four, top five team in the country. Yeah. But Maryland went into South Carolina last year and just completely wrecked them. Yeah. I mean, and then didn't have a performance like that the rest of the year. Nope. Um, you know, as as far as the rest of this, you know, it's a lot of sort of middle tier teams. Uh, they play at James Madison. Um, they host Delaware, George Washington, Quinnipiac, uh, Clemson in the actually not the Big Ten ACC Challenge that is the Daytona Beach Invitational um, they'll get Belmont in that as well the Big Ten ACC Challenge is at NC State that's pretty good that is a pretty good one uh, NC State the last couple of years has been pretty good um, you know they, they might be a top 10 15 team um, so so NC State and South Carolina kind of headlining this you know a pretty good middle tier and just a couple sort of lower tier games so a pretty good schedule it looks like hope we all have acc network by then yeah we'll see i mean aren't you glad we got out of that while we could <laughs> i don't know i don't we'll, we'll kind of see how it plays out sec networks turned out okay I think btn's all right i like btn i do like btn I might be biased because it's given opportunities to a lot of my friends. This is but. this is this is very true. Fortunately, it was not really up at the time that I was, you know, in need of BTN Student U. But I don't want to go on too far. Uh, is there anything else that we need to get um, down and mention? Because I think we're pretty good. I think we're we're mostly good. Um, maybe just Adam Kalark, the the former Maryland reliever, now a. Uh, sort of submarine lefty uh, got traded at the MLB trade deadline last week. That's really uh, kind of it. He's, he's such an interesting pitcher in that his numbers against lefties are great, but he's not quite a lefty specialist. Um, and he's, you know, with, with a sidearm motion, he's such a ground ball pitcher, but his numbers aren't spectacular. Um, the Dodgers acquired him and everyone's still wondering why they didn't add a reliever. Like, look at him. He's right there. But um, he's doing okay Maryland so far. Maryland plays baseball? I mean, I think they would assume, right? Like, they play baseball. They're nothing special. Sure. Like, that's kind of what you would assume of most schools like Maryland. Yeah. They're getting there. Kalarik played before sort of the real up years with, with Lau and Schwarin and Wade and all them. Mm, that's also correct. He's going to be pitching in the playoffs. Yeah, 
so so be on the lookout for that. He'll be pitching sort of in, in the in the pennant race. He he looks pretty what good in Dodger race? Blue. Dodgers have already won the NL West. Oh, the, they've won the West for sure, and they're they're probably going to be the number one, you know, the top seed in the playoffs as well. So. Yep. So everything from now until then is a warm up. Everything from now and then is a warm up, except when they play the red hot New York Mets, who aren't bad anymore. Iconic, really. I, just it's just great. Wild. I can't believe the Mets are good. I feel like every team in the National League, and this is how you They're know like we're supposed to end the show. Out of the wild card. It makes every no team sense. in the National League has made like a run. The Nationals made theirs. The Giants made theirs. The Mets are making theirs. Not the Phillies. The Phillies were like they made theirs early, and they're kind of. I stagnant. was at one of the games recently, the one that went 15 innings, where Vince Velasquez gunned down a guy at home. I know this is not Maryland related, but it's. I left after the ninth inning because God help me, I wasn't staying for the rest of that game. Roman Quinn. Roman Quinn. Iconic no, pitcher. Home run. Legendary pitcher. And pitching in the same game. Yeah. Uh, that was spectacular. So we will have more news soon about this podcast and its future. We will have more coming soon because we're getting close to the actual football season, which is fun. And also, go check out our friends, Banner Society. They've done some really good work revamping college football coverage. It's all the people you know, including our friend Alex. Uh, so go read that. I'm giving out a plug, which... Gotta do what you gotta do. If I did that. Gotta do what you gotta do. Yes, maybe. Uh, until then, of course, go Terps.